strokes and strokes and they um, found out that I had uh, uh, stage four neuroendocrine carcinoma cancer. Uh, in the beginning was tough and uh, I was mad. And um, as I'm looking at my kids, they're young, thinking, what am I going to do with all these? And what am, I, what am I supposed to do? And my whole life, I've, I've done nothing but uh, donate my time to people, my money. And, and uh, that's why my ex-wife always says I'm the richest, poorest man she ever knew. <laughs> but um, one day uh, when I was in the hospital last year, a friend of mine came from San Antonio. He was a Baptist pastor named uh, Roger Box. And Roger came in and he was talking to me and I was telling him everything that was going on and why is God going to, you know, why would he help me? Uh, the, the friends that I had are not people you want to hang out with. They're not the good. To me, they have good hearts, but they're scary, right? And uh, I said, I stopped going to church. You know, why would he want me? And Roger said something that's always stuck in my head. He asked me, he said, how big is your God? And I never understood that. How big is my God? So as life went on, I met the pastor here, and I met you guys at this church, and I could see God speaking to me every day. Um, the cancer spread, you know, it's in my, uh, my, my liver and my uh, um, lymph nodes and my intestine and my stomach, and now it's in the, the kidneys, and they want to check the spine in the middle of my back because I've been having problems with the back now. So when the, when the, when the oncologist told me this, he's smiling the whole time. And he's telling me that it spread. And I, and I said, Doc, you need to back up for a second. Why are you smiling? Why is this good? He said, Rob, because usually it takes a long time for these uh, the spot to show up. But for some reason, your body is allowing these things so we can see them and we can go in and burn them off. And that's a good thing. And that's all from God. My kids, they struggle. Um, I've recently been with my daughter. Um, she she doesn't go. She's had a hard time of uh, uh, going out in public or talking to anybody, and she's scared. So um, I thank you for your prayers, and I, and I wish you guys to keep it up. Um, God is working, and I believe I'm going to beat this because um, I feel that He needs some. He's doing something with me to show my kids and my family and my parents that uh, God is bigger than everything and he can heal. This cancer has no cure. There's no radiation, uh, chemo doesn't work. I take a shot that's supposed to put the, the tumors in a, uh, like a uh, coma. And what they're trying to do is prolong my life, you know, for two to five years. And uh, as, I, as the things are coming up, I think that I'm gonna live longer. And, uh, and it's all because of God. But it's up to God, right? It's his will. So I want to thank you guys. God is good, amen. Uh, you know what? When we really seriously pray and bring everything into the Lord, nothing to worry about because our God is an awesome God. We worship a true and living God. And, of course, Mrs. Amihan is here, you know, one of the testimonies. Ate Remy and Brother Robert, you know, everything... It's really uh, for the glory of God. And, and what he said is when we are really faithful to him and we bring everything into, his, into the throne of his grace, the Lord will listen to our prayers. 
Uh, I invite you to please rise as we give respect to the reading of the Word of God. We will continue our series of studies uh, about the seven sayings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, seven I am sayings. And of course, this I am saying yeah, are only found in the book of John. Uh, John the Beloved, he, he wrote uh, this book, of course. Oh, by the way, before we read the scripture, all students, please stay during our lunch because I think Sister Michelle will, uh, will honor you and will give you something. Those people who are going, or students going back to school, and then I will pray for you, okay? John chapter 14, beginning verse 1 up to verse 11. This is a popular passage and chapter in the Bible. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that there I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father in any day sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, I have been with you so long and yet, you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So now, how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the words. Believe me, I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. May the good Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you grant us wisdom coming from your Holy Spirit as we once again study your word. Especially, Father, this exclusive claim of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in here, Lord, we indeed see the uniqueness of your Son, the only Savior of the world. And Father, I pray that you continue to help us better understand what is the way, what is the truth, and what is the life. Lord, speak to us in a very personal way. And for those people who are uh, still seeking the truth, oh Lord, I pray that you use your word today. And Father, once again, we thank you for the many answered prayers that you, uh, of course, answered in this church, like uh, Brother Weatherford. Thank you, Lord, for his life, uh, Mrs. Amihan, and... Ati Remy and Brother Robert and the rest, oh Lord, who are really uh, just clinging and, 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 and still, Lord, waiting for you and because we know that you are the answer. So, Father, continue to bless each individual here in this church. I pray, Lord, that your name, as we bless us, your name will be glorified. Thank you, Father, for this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. If you will really read this passage, uh, every time uh, 
I, I read this passage, uh, it's, it's, it's really amazing. Amazing in a sense that uh, in our society today, Jesus is so politically incorrect. And that's what is amazing here. Because if Jesus were to have had come today and say something like this publicly, uh, he would be screamed down by people saying, how can you make such declarative statement about truth? You are narrow-minded. How dare you call into question somebody else's truth? Uh, who do you think you are to say that all the world religions are not just as legitimate as Christianity? I want for us this morning a way of introduction to look at some of the major religions' differences when claiming truth. First, let's take a look at Islam. Islam teaches that Allah will make an arbitrary decision regarding who gets to come to heaven and who doesn't. Now, the, 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 the only meaning of life is simply obey Muhammad's words as found in the Quran. No real truth in there. Just or else obey, but since your obedience has, has no bearing on your eternal life, it makes no difference in the end. That's how Islam explain truth. Buddhism. Buddha tells us that there is no absolute truth. What is an absolute truth? Absolute truth is, is something that is true at all times, in all places. It is something that is always true, no matter what is your circumstances. It is a fact that cannot be changed, and that is absolute truth. But Buddha said that there is no absolute truth, but you should always seek it anyway. Confucianism. If you don't know who Confucius says he was, of course, he was a philosopher in China. Uh, he would be considered as Plato or Socrates or Aristotle of the Chinese world, a brilliant guy. But did you know that towards the end of his life, this is what he said, don't look at me, look for the truth. Look for the truth. And now our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in Christianity, this is what he said in the passage that we just read. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so here we can see that he claimed that he is the only way, the truth, and the life. And so therefore, it erases those Islam, Buddhism, and Confucianism. Now, I am the way, the truth, and the life, as I mentioned before, is one of the seven I am statements of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For us to understand why he said this, on the last night before he betrayed or he was betrayed by Judas, Jesus was preparing his disciples for the days ahead. For over three years, I know you know it, that this man had been following our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
and, and, and learning from his teaching and also by his example. They had placed their hopes in him as the Messiah, the promised deliverer, yet they still don't comprehend and understand how he was going to accomplish the deliverance that he was saying. After the Last Supper, Jesus began speaking about his departure. I will leave you, which led to the questions, of course, from his disciples. If you go back, John chapter 13, verse 33, he said, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told you, the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. This prompted Peter to, of course, ask the question in verse 36, where are you going? Peter and the others did not understand that Jesus was speaking of his death and also his ascension to, listen, heaven. Ascension to heaven. Now, Jesus' response was, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter was still misunderstanding and declared that he would follow Jesus anywhere, even lay down his life if necessary. And this is the famous saying, I will die for you. And the Lord said, you will deny me three times, Peter. And so... As Jesus patiently continued to teach his disciples, he began speaking more plainly about heaven, describing the place he was going to prepare for them in John chapter 14 in the passage that we just read. And so Jesus said, you know the way to the place where I am going. Verse 4, speaking for the others, Thomas said, they did not know where he was going. So how could we know the way? How could we follow you? And so it was in answer to this question that Jesus uttered one of the seven famous I am statements. To refresh your memory about the word I am, uh, we'll go back, of course, that this is in the Greek language, I am is a, I want you to listen very carefully, this is a very intense way of referring to yourself or to oneself. It would be comparable to saying, I myself and only I am. I, I want you to understand that. It's Jesus saying, okay? And so several other times in the gospel, we find Jesus using these words. Like in Matthew chapter 22, verse 32, uh, Jesus even quotes Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. Of course, this is the story when, when Moses, of course, was being commissioned by the Lord to set my people free. And what, the na what, what, what name will I say? And so where God uses the same intensive form to say, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. And also God of Jacob. In John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say unto you, before, uh, listen to the word, before Abraham was, I am. How many of you read chapter 8? This is where the Jewish people tried to kill Jesus. Why? Because of, he said, you're claiming you're God. 
And that's blasphemy. And the punishment for blasphemy in those days is they will stone you to, to death. Now, I want you to understand it carefully. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And that's why they question him. You know what? If, if, if probably those people are, you know, in, on our front today and heard what Jesus said, what? You know, it, but sometimes when you're wondering and you can really comprehend what other people said, Before Abraham was, you are already here. He said, I am. And so, this is the pre-existence claim of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Indeed, the Jews clearly understood Jesus to be calling himself God because they took up stones to stone him for committing blasphemy because he is equating himself with God. In Matthew 28, verse 20, as Jesus gave the great commandment, or commission, I should say, he gave it emphasis by saying, I am with you always. It should give us a comfort today as we live in this world, as we live as Christians and obey His word and obey Him for what God wants us to do, because the promise here is this, I am with you. Do not forget the meaning of the word, I am. I am only, and this I am is a sovereign God. That's why in the Old Testament they understood very well when He said, I am. He is the Yahweh. He is the Jehovah. He is the sovereign God. That's why... We should have boldness, confidence in sharing the good news with other people. Why? Because he promised, I am with you always till the end of the world. Those words reflect the very name of God in Hebrew, Yahweh, which means to be or the self-existing one. You get the word, the meaning? I am means to be or the self-existing one. Nobody created God. He is self-existing. And for you to ask the question, where was God when he created the world? And so sometimes when we ask that question, we're thinking about God as a limited God standing somewhere. Because if he created the world, then where is he standing? Is he in, in Grand Canyon or... Or in Sedona, when, you know, we cannot limit God. He's a self-existing one. So, it is the name of power and authority, and Jesus claimed it as his own. And so, we begin with the first. He said, I am the way. So Jesus used the definite article to distinguish himself as the only way, the definite article D. A way is a path, of course, and route, and the disciples had expressed their confusion about where he was going and how they could follow. As he had, of course, told them from the beginning, Jesus was again telling them, and you and me today, to follow the Lord. And so there is no other path to heaven, no other way to the Father. Followers of Jesus Christ, did you know that where they before they were not called 
Christians. They were only called Christians uh, at Antioch. But before that, did you know that they were called uh, the way? The way. This early church Christians or religion was simply called the way. And it was based off this phrase in John chapter 14 of course verse 6 and and the early church wanted to distinguish itself from its Jewish roots so within the Jewish mindset this is how Christianity was referred to and the fact that when Paul was making his legal defenses before Roman officials he referred to Christianity as the capital D H E capital W A why? The way. So, to this point, Jesus did not leave the door open for any other way. When he said, I am the way, he is not opening other door. You remember the other saying, I am the door? Because if he will open other way, then he is lying when he said, I am the only door. And here, he is, of course, uh, doubling down the truth that I am the only way. So Jesus did not say, I am one of many ways. He, he did not say, I am one of the many options you can choose from. Jesus did not place himself into a pantheon of multiple beliefs that you can follow. I share them on the screen. And so, If you are trusting anything other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning, you are wrong. This isn't just, of course, my opinion. This is his opinion. And so, uh, how, how many of you, your, your boss uh, told you, I don't want your opinion. If I want your opinion, then, you know, I'll give it to you. See, this is God giving us his what? opinion. And so when, when you share the gospel to other people, uh, telling them he's the only way, uh, and, and they debate you, uh, tell them this is not my opinion. This is God's opinion. Since God is the creator of all things and knows everything, there is to know his opinion overrides your opinion and my opinion. Amen. And Jesus saying, I am the way, is God declaring this is the Absolute truth. What is the absolute truth? Absolute truth, you cannot change. It. You cannot change the fact. I always, of course, give this example. One plus one is what? You can believe it's three. You can believe it's four. You can believe it's one million. But the absolute truth is what? One plus one is? Only two. Same thing with salvation. There is no other way, and the other way, there is nothing. The only way is Jesus. That is absolute truth. You cannot change it. You cannot alter it. You can believe it's Buddha. You can believe it's, it's Muhammad. You can believe it's me. But the truth is Jesus is the only way. Amen. You can even believe it's your neighbor. But the truth is Jesus only. The, 
the scripture double downs on this. If you remember, Peter reiterated the same truth years later to the rulers of Jerusalem saying about Jesus. This is what he said. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be what? We must be saved, and it's only the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is only one way. God made it very simple for us. You know why it's difficult for many people to accept this fact, this absolute truth? It's because of sin. It's because of stubbornness. It's, it's because of rebellion that keeps us humanity from believing and accepting what is truth. Truth, that's a loaded word in our day, isn't it? Uh, you may say, as Pontius Pilate did, what is truth? But Jesus has an answer for that too. He said, I am the truth. Now, this is a pretty narrow view for our day and time, but it is a view that is taught in the Bible, in the scripture. Many believe there are many routes one can take to reach God, I, I mentioned to you, but yet the Bible makes it clear that there is but one way for all men, and it's through the finished work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to better understand what I said. It is through putting our faith through the finished work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When I say finished work, it is the only, of course, work that Christ has done for us on the cross of Calvary. There is no other individual who was crucified on the cross. It's only Him. That's why only Him is the way. There's a story about a pioneer missionary in Africa. And this pioneer missionary in Africa tells how he was taking the gospel to a new tribe. So this is far north in Africa. So with his bearers, he arrived at the village, a point beyond which his porters, they refused to go and move forward. And so the missionary appealed or appealed uh, to, the to the local chief. Was there someone in his village who could act as, of course, guide to the distant northern tribe? That's what, that was his question. And so the chief summoned the man. He was tall, battle-scarred, carrying a large axe. Uh, and so a bargain was made, and the next morning, the missionary set, set off through, through the bush following the new guides. And the way became increasingly rough, and the path had all, but sometimes the path disappeared. Uh, there was an occasional marked blaze on a tree, occasionally a narrow path. So finally, the missionary called a halt. Stop. He asked the guide if he was sure he knew the way. So the man pulled himself up to his full height. And then he said, white man, he said, you see this axe in my hand? You see these scars on my body? With this axe, I blazed the trail to the tribal village to which we go. I came from there, and these scars received when I made the way. You asked me if I know the way? Before I came, there was no way. And then he said, I am the way. His claim is true, probably. If you go to the tribe, he is the way. But when a person wants to go to heaven, 
Jesus is the way. Amen. His body was scarred. His body was broken into pieces on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. That's why he is the only way. So in this passage, Jesus gives us threefold assurance. And we, we saw one. And this is the question of the first assurance. How can I be saved? He is the way. Number two, let's take a, a, a look at the truth. So Jesus used the definite article again to emphasize himself as the only truth. In the book of Psalms 119 verse 142, the scripture said, your law is the truth. In the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus reminded his listeners of several points of the law. Then he said, but I say unto you, but I say unto you, that's in Matthew chapter 5, 22, and of course 28, 32, 34, 39, and verse 44, thereby equating himself with the law of God as the authoritative standard of righteousness. He is the standard of righteousness. In fact, Jesus said he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. And so Jesus, the incarnate word of God, John 1, 1, is the source of all the truth. Jesus is the actual embodiment of the truth. He is the authoritative, representative, revealer of God. He hears what the Father says, and that's what the Father tells him to do. So you can paraphrase John chapter 14, verse 6 in this way. I am the way that reveals the truth about God and gives life to people. Our world today is confused. Jesus is the very reality of all God's grace towards us as sinners. See, grace and truth could not merely be given. It actually came through the living person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You don't need a free book from a cult or, or a corrected uh, version of King James, from, from, uh, King James Bible from the cult. You see, Adam, you remember Adam in the Old Testament? Adam believed the devil's lie. And, and men still believe it to this day. See, the reason is because fallen man has his spiritual senses darkened. And so the Apostle Paul said in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart. By the way, in the opening of, uh, of this book, Paul is mentioning that all people are spiritually dead because of sin. And then he made follow-up here in Ephesians 4.18 that we are being darkened. Have you noticed that when you came to know the Lord, uh, before you came to know the Lord, you, you don't have the appetite of going to church, reading the Bible, Doing prayer. Being invited by your friend to attend Bible study. Why? It's because we are being darkened. We are being blinded, Paul said in the book of Corinthians. Spiritually blinded. Now, as he reveals the Father, he exposes. 
exposes your sin and my unbelief. Why? Because in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and also knowledge. Men have exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and that's a fact. But the very truth of God resides in whom? In Christ alone. You see, John 1.14 said, He is full of grace and truth. He is full of grace and truth. And the source of grace and the truth to you and me. So, so truth is God's very reality revealing itself in Jesus. See, truth is knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. To have the truth is to have eternal if you want to have eternal life, He is the way. If you want to have the truth, He is the truth. My question to you this morning, have you humbled yourself and bowed down before Him? Who is the truth? Eternal truth. See, the emphasis in this great statement is not, it's not about, you know, uh, as opposed to a lie. Truth versus lie. Reality as opposed to mere illusion. But the emphasis is this. It's about his faithfulness. It's about his reliability and trustworthiness and also sureness. This is the emphasis of this. Indeed, he is faithful. Amen. He is faithful no matter what. You can be unfaithful, but he will still stay faithful. He is reliable. And everything that we, we need, everything that you need, he, he provides. We can ask, Lord, please provide, because he is Jehovah Jireh, and we can rely on him. He is trustworthy, and there is sureness in him. So Jesus Christ is the God of truth. Listen, absolute truth is the very character of God. Amen. Absolute truth is the very characteristic of God and it is only as we know God that we know the truth. And so, uh, one more verse I want to share with you this, this morning found in 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. Do you seek the truth? Believe me that I am in the Father, he said in verse 11 and my Father in me. Believe that the Father is in me and I in Him. Chapter 10, verse 38. So what is our response? This, is, this would be our response. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is the true. We are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. You know, but back in the Philippines, there is this other faith that debates about the, the deity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and they don't, they don't believe that Christ is really God. Show me a verse that Christ is God. This is very clear. They don't like this verse. If they will read this verse, they will twist it. Why? They, they don't want absolute truth. So in this passage, Jesus gives us another assurance. 
We saw the first, how can I be saved? He is the way. And the second assurance is this, how can I be sure? He is the truth. You want to be sure about the truth? Christ is the truth. Don't go to other, you know, personality, other religious thinking that there is other truth. He is the truth. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Last and number three, we talk about life. So Jesus has just been telling his disciples about his impending death. And, and, and now he was claiming to be the source of a life. Now, what did you notice here in John chapter 10, 17, and 18? He just declared that he was going to lay down his life for his ship. And then he takes it, it back. So he spoke of his authority over death and life as being granted by his father. And so in John chapter 14, verse 19, he gave the promise that because I live, you also will what? Live. Because I live, you will also live. And so the deliverance he was about to provide was not a political or, or social deliverance, which of course most of the Jews were seeking in those days, even the disciples. Even during the very ascension of him, he was asked, are you now going to restore the kingdom of God? They just realized it when the Holy Spirit came down. Because the Holy Spirit gave them the power, the wisdom, the understanding of what Christ is telling them going into all the world and commission them and tell the truth about him, that he is Lord. And so, they don't realize that it is a deliverance from a life of bondage to sin and death to a life of freedom in eternity. So in these words, Jesus was declaring himself as the great I am. The only path to heaven, the only true measure of righteousness, and the source of both physical and also eternal life. He was taking his claim as the very God of creation, the Lord who blessed Abraham, and the Holy One who inhabits eternity. So... Uh, he, he did this so the disciples would be able to face dark days ahead and carry on the mission of declaring the gospel to the world. My dear friends and brothers in the Lord, Jesus Christ knew exactly that when we follow him, we will be persecuted. If they persecute him, you will be persecuted. If he suffer, we will suffer. And that's why God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, gave this declaration, I am. I am the self-existing one. I am the sovereign God. And so therefore, when we have that very understanding, we have the confidence to live a life of ease in this world, not worrying about what will we eat tomorrow, where will you retire what will you do with your retirement? I will buy me a big house. But when we have the assurance that we have life in him, we will be content. Amen. Why? Because he said, I will never abandon you. Christ is not only giving us the assurance that we live life in this world with, with, with of course, 
uh, joy and living it abundantly. But the most important thing is this. Here in this world, no one is permanent. The most important thing, and we will go back to his first reasoning why, why he is living. He is living because he will prepare a place for you and me. Don't worry. Don't be troubled. I need to go because if I go, I will prepare a place for you. You see, the scripture even said mansion. How many of you have been to mansion? Uh, I've been to one of the mansions here it, that's in Toronto. Casa, La Casa, La Casa, Casa. <laughs> uh, La Casa Loma. Oh, it, you know what? The, ha, ha, man, it's big. It's not even finished because the owner, uh, he just uh, stayed there for 10 years. And after that, he abandoned it because, you know, of the economy. And so the Toronto government seized that property and, you know, did it as a museum. Anyway, those mansions are nothing compared to the mansions that God is preparing for you and me. Amen. I know we can just only imagine. That's why there's a song, I can only imagine. You know what? Think about the peace, the serenity that you will experience when we are in heaven. I, 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 I keep on telling you, okay, I am already 55 years old. Every time I wake up in the morning, <laughs> this, this, this right foot. <sighs> This knee, I'm only 55. But you know what encourages me? I will not live forever in this world. This is not permanent. So for, the, for those of you who have problems with your arthritis, it's just a smile. <laughs> okay? Just thank the Lord every day. Why? Because we have hope in the Lord. Because He is the life. He will not only bless you here, but also He will bless you in heaven, that's a blessing. No more mortgage. No more Walmart. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Uh, uh, John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Oh, the natural man is spiritually dead, but thank the Lord, through His Spirit, we can be alive and have eternal life. Amen. Oh. I have this uh, again, uh, uh, verse again in, in, in John 5, 20, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed out of death into life. Amen. This is assurance of your salvation and my salvation. And so my dear friends, don't worry. Even you have sickness right now, those things are temporary. This life is not permanent. Physical existence matters little. The only life worthy of the name is that which Jesus brings to life because he is the life. Jesus is the real and living way of life. 
uh, while I was uh, doing my sermon here in my office, and during my, of course, uh, study, uh, I turned on the, the camera. We have camera, and so when you come here, you just smile, because you are on candid camera. Uh, so I did look at the camera, and I noticed that there is uh, a, a truck parked right next to our dumpster. It, uh, dumping something. And so I, I came out and approached him. Sir, this is a private dumpster. This is not a public dumpster. But the, 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 the old guy, uh, he's saluting me. And I, I came, I, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about this. This is a military guy. Indeed, he was a military guy. Did you know that he was a second World War II veteran? He was a gunner on that airplane. You remember those Japanese films and Japanese are dying? And the Filipino keep winning? <laughs> you know those films? <laughs> anyway, he was a gunner, 93 years old. And then I told him, uh, sir, uh, this is uh, a, a, a private dumpster. Uh, you, you don't dump your you know, trust over here. Oh, sir, I'm sorry. See, see what is written here? He said, you will be prosecuted. <laughs> anyway, anyway, but it's okay. You can do it today. But he said, uh, somebody told him to, he, that he can do that. No, don't believe him, I said. <laughs> you believe me. <laughs> and so he showed me all the paperwork and everything, pictures. He was really, you know. Uh, and he told me he was just in the news uh, a week ago. His name is Frank uh, Gutierrez, a 93-year-old guy. And I said, yes, you can dump it, you know. But, and he said, I promise I will not dump, you know, trust anymore. Here. But before I leave, he said, this is what he said. I will tell you the most important thing in life, he said. You must have good health. You know what? That's true. But in my mind, that is not the most important thing. And so, all you know, of course, I'm a pastor, and even though I'm not a pastor, probably I will grab the opportunity to tell him that the most important thing is to have Jesus in your heart. Because even though you have a good health, and I even told him, you know what? Even though you have a good health, one of these days it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this is the judgment. I began sharing the gospel to him, and I prayed for him. And after we prayed for him, of course, uh, I don't care as long as I share the gospel to him. Amen. And my point here is this, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. Don't consume your life burning your energy, accumulating material things, worrying about your health. Enjoy the life that God has blessed you and just be content with what you have because one of these days there will be a permanent place called heaven. Amen. I, 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 will, I will close in this story. Uh, a woman was diagnosed with, with a terminal illness and had been given three months to live. And so as she was getting her things in order, uh, she contacted her pastor and, and asked him to, to come to her house to discuss some of the final wishes. If you do that, uh, I am glad to come to your house, okay? Anyway... <laughs> So she told him with songs, she wanted to, to, to of course, to be uh, sang at her funeral service. 
and what scriptures he would like to read and what outfit she would wanted to be buried in. You know what? She even requested to be buried with her favorite Bible. And as the pastor prepared to leave, the woman suddenly remembered something else. There's one more thing. She said excitedly. She was so excited. And, and the pastor said, what's that? This is important. The woman said, I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. Fork in my right hand. And, and the pastor, of course, was puzzled. And, and if you, you know what, if you encounter people talking about, he will be in the coffin holding, holding fork. What will you think? <laughs> so so the, the, he, he was puzzled, okay? And, and the woman explained, in all my years of attending church socials and potluck dinners, and I, you know when I hear that, this is a Southern Baptist member, okay, from other church. <laughs> uh, in all my years of attending church socials and potluck dinners, when the dishes of the main course were being cleared, some, some would inevitably lean over and say, keep your fork. So it was my favorite part of the meal. Because I know, I knew something better was coming. Like velvety chocolate cake, dip this apple pie. And so when the people see me in that casket with a fork in my hand and they ask, what's with that fork? I want you to tell them, keep your fork. The best is yet to come. Keep your fork. The best is yet to come. Amen. Keep living for the Lord right now, no matter what will be your circumstances, because the best is yet to come. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the third assurance that I want to give to you this morning is, how can I be satisfied? Jesus is the life. Amen. Jesus is the life. Don't look for any other thing. Focus on the Lord. Because He is the way, the truth, and the life. Is He your Lord? Is He your Savior? If not, invite Him right now. If you're already a Christian, continue share this absolute truth that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. For these assurances. Indeed, you made it easy for us. Most importantly, Father, we thank you. You gave us eternal life through your Son, Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, we love you so much. Even though, Father, many times we displease you, you continue to be faithful to each and every one of and Lord, if there is individual here who didn't really fully surrender their lives to you, I pray, Father, that they will do so. Help them realize that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And indeed, Lord, the best is yet to come. Thank you, Father, for this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's um, 
continue to just draw near and near to God as our walk in our faith. And as we close, let's sing that song again. Draw me close to you. Let's all stand up. Let's keep the faith. Let's keep the fire burning for the Lord. Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.